0: Hi, I'm Talia and I am the host of Compassionate Conversations podcast, Series 2. In Series 2, we will hear from inspiring people who work for and with young people. Each episode is designed to share ways of empowering the next generation to ensure they have the tools to go on to have mentally healthy futures. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media, Single Parents Wellbeing. Hi, Amy. Hiya. Thanks for joining me today. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different because we felt that it would be nice to share the journey of the project over the last year and just share some of the theory behind everything and also just like our learnings along the way so if you can learn anything from it that would yeah we hope that you do. (laughs) Yeah so a bit of like a geeky theory-based Oh, Podcast, so I imagine it's
1: people instantly press stop now. <laughs> okay. But it should be interesting, and like we'll make sure it's like informative. That's what we wanted it to be, and just the reason why we've done this, and almost like the theory behind it, and some stats and some discussion, I guess.
0: Yeah. Before we start and go into that, I was just thinking for those who don't know you, even though I think everybody does know you, Amy, but can you just share about your role and a little bit about SPW and how you came into it?
1: Yeah, so I'm Amy. I'm one of the directors and co-founders at Single Parents Wellbeing, and I also manage all of the projects and everything else in between. So I always joke that I'm like the janitor. (laughs) 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 like the office manager I've been either written or co-written like all of the bids that we've successfully got including the one we're going to talk about today and yeah like my role is really like developing SVW and from the projects and they're all amazing projects so it's not a hard job at all yeah
0: thank you for that and can you share so single parents well-being like started Is it five years ago? Yeah, so 2017,
1: we actually started as a walking group. So me and Rachel weren't very well at all mentally. And we just, we wanted to meet other single parents and we didn't want the like intensity of like sitting down and having like a cup of tea and a coffee with someone. So we thought like my thing at the time was really like about getting out in nature and walking. Cause I had two little guys had become a single parent so we started as a walking group and then it just snowballed from there really yeah and the outdoor meetups are still like a big part of what we do now but there's also like really great projects around connecting in a really creative way with your children there's like workshops there's well-being workshops that have been around since the start which just focus on the single parents themselves and we have social so we're all going out to like a comedy club tomorrow i was going to say tonight thanks i thought it's friday <laughs> wishful thinking but on friday we're all going to like a comedy club and there's like a real community and like such a lovely feel about it and everything is peer-led and co-produced which yes. we're going to talk about today but that's the really special element of it i think is that it's not owned by us and that we're not the ones in charge it's like we're just totally informed by the single parents and it's such a lovely team i think there's nine of us now and we're so lucky to have such a lovely team of people and everyone in the members in the group are all lovely as well and i think we're are we all single parents yeah apart from one person we're all single parents as well so yeah it's just such a lovely team and community and i'm really proud of what we've created and grown so yeah
0: yeah it's amazing because it has just grown and grown and grown and then that kind of leads us to the like young persons project because that really had come from like a development of like it was like the next like, I don't know addition or chapter to SPW, which started a year ago and then where then me, another colleague then came in and started working with the older lot from single parent households. So yeah, do you wanna share a little bit about how that kind of happened?
1: So yeah, so I read an article from the Mental Health Foundation that we partner with and we think are brilliant. And they released an article on loneliness. So we I read it thinking that, of course, the typical people were gonna be in there. So single parents, people with disabilities, and the elderly always seem to be top of loneliness, which is awful. So I was reading this article and actually like what came out of the article was the stereotypical people as well. They're still struggling with loneliness, but that younger people were as well. And that really, really shocked me. And so the statistics from the article. So in 2018, 40% of 16 to 24 year olds reported feeling lonely very often and then in 2019 so this was even before the pandemic as well 88 percent of britons aged 18 to 24 experienced loneliness in some degree and i was just really shocked by those statistics like i think it made me really upset to think that it's such a pandemic in young people and i think they feel it more intensely because i did have a really good think about this and i thought maybe it's like. The life stage they're at especially like the 18 to 24 year olds where they might be leaving for college or leaving for university leaving home which you know like the empty nest syndrome that we've talked about before as well and it's about that time when you're trying to like develop and grow into an adult but also like establish networks outside of your family yeah and how lonely that might feel and this was even before the pandemic so there was statistics in the pandemic as well that were as you'd imagine like really shocking yeah and um, rightly so.
0: when I left home and I was a little bit naive in thinking because I've like come from a little village everyone knows everyone it's been like the same consistent people like all the years of my life I kind of just was thinking oh great like you can make really strong friendships anywhere And even though I still know that's true, it just took way longer for me to like really settle into Cardiff and like establish those friendships. Yeah. I had hoped. So there was definitely times I felt lonely throughout that time. Um, Yeah, definitely.
1: I remember because I actually stayed in Cardiff for uni and I don't remember ever feeling lonely because I had my like friends from school and everything. But I remember when I moved to London as a 24-year-old, so still just about in this age bracket. And I remember feeling loneliness then and that need to connect again with my friends from back home. And I struggled to like make friends in London and stuff as well initially and then I moved into a house share with loads of Irish people and then I was fine but yeah like that was interesting as well and then I was sort of thinking about social media and how much of a bad reputation it gets and then I was thinking about social media and the bad rep that it always gets it's something that with children and young people I think it has to be brought into the conversation And I think maybe it impacts on that loneliness and mental health side of it because of the bullying and feeling isolated and alone online and then maybe not being able to meet up with your friends as much and stuff as well and because you just game online or you go on social media. So rather than actually physically go out and meet people and maybe be in nature and stuff like that. And then I thought about it rationally and I thought like as someone... So I'm 38, and as someone where social media wasn't around, and where yeah, like that side of technology was just coming in, and but I remember coming home from school and on a landline instantly ringing my friends to connect. I think again, maybe technology helps with that isolation and loneliness, but there's that side of it where you might not meet in person. Yeah. It'll be great to like study that in this project and stuff but then I think there's bits around social media that like again if you come from a small town and say there's any sort of diversity diversity in your experience or whatever it is and I think social media is like amazing for you finding your tribe as well and finding out more information that I wouldn't have been able to find out as like a young person because it was just wasn't around yeah and I think that and there is really like positive messages being put out by loads of amazing people from like diverse backgrounds or just their experiences and their life that might not be mainstream yeah so how do you feel about social media because obviously you're 24
0: yeah I think there is things that is amazing like the like me too movements and Mm -hmm. the like black lives matter and I don't know, just there's so many things that have like really like blew up in like the media, which is really good. And like, even with like mental health support, there are just different websites that I don't know, now it's like those websites are a bit safer than just looking up on Google. And so I feel like, even though in some ways it can make young people feel probably more lonely because they're less likely just going to be like, oh, let's just meet up. Yeah, I can see the benefits of just like looking. Like feeling less alone, where like reading accounts where people are like, Oh, I've had this experience and I've had this and this, and yeah, I think it's amazing. I can, yeah, pros and cons. I think sometimes, like, I definitely know if I've had too much time on like social media because, like, you just naturally feel a little bit more rubbish just because you're like looking at a screen. So, I think I've got I'm quite good at like knowing. When to come off of it. So I think I'm fine with that. But it's, yeah, something to learn. Those boundaries, because it is addictive, because even like the blue light and everything and the
1: likes and all of that, there's like loads of research around how it is addictive. That's why it does so well. But I think, yeah, like I think as we move through it, it's not about removing social media from young people's lives. It's about learning more about it for like parents and stuff. And I think it's more about. Like, young people putting those boundaries in place as well and making sure that they do have, like, time away from it. I think, yeah, there is good stuff and bad stuff. And I think what's interesting is that it seems to be, like, all the medical professionalists that are, like, obviously over 24 that are leading the way on these conversations as well. And I think it should be young people sort of leading... The way with these conversations because it's what directly impacts them and something that we'll definitely be researching and will have a say in in informing all of our project this project coming up
0: yeah definitely going back to the social media thing again so i watched the ted talk the other day around of like when you're writing something is like question who am I saying this for is this for myself and for the people that I love to like know or is this me trying too hard I remember like for if I was like once like posting something I remember just like almost like was more conscious of other people but in those moments like I just refused to actually post anything because if it's not going to be for myself then I'm just not going to do it. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, and that's such a good thing to learn. And, you know, like, and you could take it one step further and, like, talk about, you know, like, send in explicit photos, like, but like, and all of that now. There's so many laws around that. And as we move through social media, there'll be more laws around, like, bullying. Because, yeah, like, loads of the stuff that's said online. I just think you never say that to someone in person. It's so mean. But they feel like it's okay to say it online in the moment and it's like i think that's what young people will lead the way with is like changing those sorts of things and ownership of it and stuff as well because it's not okay and that's the side of social media that's really ugly and yeah like only posting like good stuff i remember like so i had like postnatal depression with both my kids and i remember actual Instagram accounts that really helped me because they talked so openly and honestly about motherhood and about how shit it is sometimes and how difficult it is and how they struggled with their mental health and I remember like feeling really good being able to see that actually it's not all rose tinted glasses because obviously on social media that's all you post is like your child looking all angelic and peaceful you don't see them having a massive tantrum and like but there is some of that on social media now and but it's yeah it's so tricky trying to navigate my way through it as a 38 year old but like i watch my kids even just on technology and they're just like amazing at it and it's something that you've grown up with it's like a 24 year old now yeah. so we'll have much more experience and not be able to like compare it to like the good old days and I'm doing like the quote thing because I don't think it's right to think of it like that anymore and I'm sure when television came in and everything people felt exactly the same yeah. like, but there's sort of ways that you can use it healthily and I think it does get such a it always is mentioned social media and young people's mental health and it I think in this project, it'll be so interesting to hear about that and really delve into it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: So why do you think this project has got a focus on mental health? I know we've already talked about it a bit. What's your sort of take on that?
0: Yeah, well, so from within the project, one of the first things that I started doing was really find out what the parents and what their families really wanted and needed at that current time and really what was coming through was mental health support yeah because like you said before that category was already struggling before the pandemic and so it just only got so much worse after and so these are some of the things that the parents said to me which was heartbreaking so one of them said my daughter's mental health plummeted a year ago to the extent she was self-harming and it is clear to see that she's put huge pressure on herself and has massive self-esteem issues oh these are actually from the young people so they've said comments like i know that when i was a kid i always felt responsible for my mum's happiness And so just carrying that responsibility and how that can affect your mental health. And I think just other things in general, like I miss having a family, but there isn't much I can do about it. So that like lack of control and autonomy in their life. And uh, that stigma of, isn't it? That stigma of exactly
1: what their parents feel like really comes out in that quote, doesn't it? Around the stigma
0: that that young person feels and they're not alone, that's said all the time. But yeah. yeah. And then so we kept on asking, well, like, what would you want for another person? And what would you want for a mentally healthy future? And so this was one of the things that Emily said, she said, I want people to not be afraid of expressing when they're struggling. It's not a weakness, it's a massive sign of strength to be able to say when you need help. And so there was just so many comments and conversations around mental health. So that was like a key theme. And there was that really nice quote, or well, the really nice poem. So, did you want to talk about how it came about? And yeah, so on from just having lots of conversations with young people around what they wanted for a mentally healthy future, as we launched a campaign called Mental Health Manifesto, and this was where we, as a part of this, we launched a creative competition, and we offered incentives of. £50 pounds for the winner and so cash prizes so that they could submit a creative like outlet really of expressing how they feel around mental health and what they would like to change and just so that we could get a wider range of just information from young people about what's really going on how do they really feel how would they like things to be different And so we had people sending in, like, a song, which was amazing. And we had, like, poems and stories. And it was actually a story that won. And it was around grief. And it was just done in a really sweet, creative way.
1: Yeah, it was so great, wasn't it, what they came up with?
0: And, yeah, and Amy, did you want to share the poem that was submitted? Yeah,
1: okay, no worries. So it's called, How Am I Lonely? How Am I Sad? That's how I was feeling when my mum left my dad. The family all picks sides and that makes me mad. I was left with one friend I could talk to when my mum left my dad. The children of the future need somewhere they can talk and not be made to feel bad. They need to feel they can share their own feelings openly, not to mum and not to dad. And I just loved that. I just thought it's such a good insight into mental health for like in one single parent household so i know lots don't co-parent and everything we'll have like a mum and a dad and all the rest of it so we've got like a lovely diverse range of single parents but there is common themes that come up around the stigma around mental health isolation and loneliness and i think that just like summarized it so well
0: yeah and
1: you know not feeling like they fit in and not knowing who to talk to not wanting to talk to their mum or dad actually they want to speak to their friends and that's something that's really emerging as well isn't it the need for that peer support rather than go into like services that notoriously young people don't access they'd rather go to their like friends and family
0: yeah and i think that's where our role like emerged really where we knew that we needed to set up lots of events just for them to have socials for like for us to build relationships with them but also for them to build relationships with each other where they can relate to each other and just have that common factor where they know that they're not alone and that it's like a real like safe open place for them to just come as they are and chat but also have fun and know that it's just a time just for them that is just safe and Yeah, yeah. And to be able to have that like
1: common theme. So knowing that someone else is from a single parent family, I know me as an adult, that made me feel so much better speaking to other single parents. And I think loads of the stuff that we feel as single parents, the children feel as well and the young people and that's definitely one of them we went on this like activity holiday and one of the young people said it was so nice to be able to discuss like the different dynamics of being in a single parent household and it might be that they see their mum or dad this amount or that they don't see them at all or whatever it was and just to be able to have those conversations knowing that they might not all have the same situation but they're all in the same boat and stuff and that young person actually said like it made them feel like loads better about their personal situation that previously they'd felt really bad about and thought was like the worst situation on earth. So I think it is like that peer-led stuff and the peer support is so important in this project and that's what's already emerged, hasn't it, from all the work that's already been done.
0: Yeah, and then did you want to read out those mental health statistics or... So outside of SPW, so between April and October in 2019, 250,591 people under the age of 18 were referred to the NHS for mental health issues. And last year that rose to 409,347. With yeah. So That's unbelievable, isn't it? And that
1: will be as a result of COVID, but also you know, there is like a mental health crisis and a loneliness crisis in children and young people. And that's nearly double. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's unbelievable, really. And that's the people that are just being referred, let alone the people that are accessing help and from their family and friends or not even getting into the NHS system. So, yeah, it's quite shocking that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's why we now have an emphasis on mental health but then as a way around that we have the wellness wheel to help tackle that for every event that we organize we want to make sure that it ticks off all of the parts of the wellness wheel
1: yeah so there's eight parts to the wellness wheel so we have emotional wellness spiritual wellness intellectual wellness physical wellness environmental wellness, financial wellness, occupational wellness and social wellness. So when we're doing things or events or how this project is run we're trying to like tick off as many as those as we can. So I'm actually training to be like a human givens counsellor as well. There's eight bits to the wellness wheel and you can read more about it if you wanted to, we'll put the link and stuff in the notes. But yeah, so there's eight key elements to it. So the first one is around emotional wellness. So that's about mental health, making sure that children and young people have got loads of ways that they can cope with their mental health and instilling like self-care in them from an early age. There's spiritual wellness as well. So that's about expanding our sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. So for children and young people, that could be a religion, it could be... Believing in the universe, being and it's it's about being feeling connected to something that's bigger than you. So it isn't always about religions at all, but it could be a religion having like a really healthy impact in their lives, as well as like, you know, other things about feeling connected, doing things like mindfulness and you know, joining like a mindfulness group where you all have that sense of connection stuff and a sense of purpose and meaning in life the next one's intellectual wellness so that's about finding like new ways to like expand your knowledge and skills and learning and that's a continuous thing we're talking about children young people but it's not just for them and then there's like physical wellness so recognizing how important activity is diet sleep all of those things and like nutrition how important that is for someone's mental health and it it's especially if you think about children and young people. So if we looked at like 10 to 12 year olds, like, and how much they, cause we still have like a sense of control over what they eat and stuff at that age and making sure they get physical activity. But as they move into their teens and high school, and then as in early adulthood, that might be something that is like really lacking in their lives and stuff. And something that's really overlooked. As like a really important part of their mental health environmental wellness so this is like seems to be such at the forefront of young people's minds like environmental stuff which is brilliant and this is about having like a really so first of all it's about your immediate environment and how that is like healthy and safe and secure meaning like where you live and your community your local community but then it's like a wider environmental impact so like you know environmental issues and everything like that as well and being greener and looking after our environment and stuff and then there's financial wellness so I guess this is like from a younger age and still in like pocket money and a sense of how you talk to your children about money and how they save for things and then obviously when they go into adulthood it's about yeah, like a satisfaction with their current finances and their future finances as well. So that's actually really important because I know lots, it's a difficult subject, money and finances, but it is a really important thing. So for events, for us, it's about giving the children and young people, letting them know what the budget is for the event, letting them be able to like budget. So this is how much we've got and this is how they control like the finance for that. So to learn about that, and then there's occupational, so that's about their development in a job and what they want to do and that sense of, like, fulfilment that you get from a job. And, yeah, so, and that can start from a really early age, can it? Like, I know my little ten-year-old, nearly ten-year-old, wants to be a carpenter and he's really sure about that. I wanted to be a lorry driver. I don't know. what did you want to be when you were little? I wanted to be on stage and be in theatre. Yeah, I bet your mum like nurtured that and made sure that you went into like a drama school and or maybe that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's important to like nurture that. And then even if it's something that like, you know, like a footballer or something, it's still important at a young age to like nurture that as well as like talking to them about having a plan B and all of that. And then the final one is around social wellness. And this is like about a sense of connection and belonging, and like a really well-developed support system and actually for most children and young people that'll be like their friends are the most important things in their lives so that will have been something that really impacted their mental health yeah. in COVID. and then I'm also like training to be a human givens counsellor and they say the human givens approach sort of points to like nine emotional needs so there's lots of them that connect and go over so the community again so that's about the feeling connected to a wider community so that again is like a religion or something that you're involved in like as a that has like a wider purpose And obviously it doesn't have to be religion at all, but it's just a really good example of religion, isn't it? And then the one that isn't in here as well, the wellness one, is around a sense of autonomy and control. So as they become like children and young people, it's about allowing them more autonomy and control, which is why this whole project is like co-produced and using that co-production model. And then just briefly, like the other ones that you can have a think about what might be missing from a children and young person's life is like the need for privacy. So that's like a big one. So they might share a room with someone. So my two share a room. So we've got like a really strict knocking on door policy. And, you know, it's just ways that you can introduce like privacy, which is like linked to or closely to like attention so the need to like give and receive attention so as well as being able to have that private time they need to give and receive attention so making sure that you have like one-on-one time with your children young people even if it doesn't seem that they want that with you status as well that's a really tricky one with children young people because they might feel like they don't have much status so it might just be something like they're in charge of something in the house, like it big or small. Again, like if they're in charge of like organizing an event or something, then that's like giving them status. And something that we've learned about that they really like a title, that the children and young people that totally links to like the status thing. And then there's security. So a really safe environment that allows them to like develop fully. And there's intimacy. That's just about them having a really close connection. To at least one person. So that could even be a dog or an animal or whatever it is, which again came up, didn't it? How important like animals yeah. are in children's lives. So, yeah, so that's just like a whistle stop tour. And there's things around achievement, which links to like the intellectual wellness, so that constantly developing and growing. We have an innate need as human beings to constantly evolve, which is why we've like created the wheel, electricity, technology because there's that constant need to evolve and move on. So yeah it's interesting when you think about those two sort of like theories and how we can like connect them to children and young people in the project. Yeah was there any ones that you thought like stood out and made you sort of think good for children and young people?
0: Yeah I think the like Intimacy and just connection is, I felt like, is like the most important one to build like really positive connections with each other and with us. And I think, yeah, just the need to have like positive, like strong role models in their lives, just, yeah, really important. Because I don't know, I think it's always like in the moments when you're struggling when you lean back on those like positive, like strong people in your life. And that's what like has helped me through my teen years. And I still just have like a really like close relationship with them. And so yeah, these like people that you like look up to and like you just yeah can chat to about things. So yeah, I would say that one and the outdoorsy one and the environmental one they stood out to me. And they kind of link to the Brecon Beacons trip that we did last year as a part of the project so this like hit a couple of those wellness wheel parts yeah around like bonding with each other but then there was like a good amount of like also having quality time with their parents and doing activities together rather than just like chatting and then there was just trying new things like developing new skills and going kayaking and like sliding down waterfalls and like putting themselves like out of their comfort zone which I think then like increased confidence because like some of the kids who are like I don't know more like reserved and didn't really want to do it then after they had done it a couple of times were then asking to do it again and things like that were just really nice to see and seeing the dynamics of like doing a totally new activity just seeing how it kind of bring just a real like lighthearted fun into just like the atmosphere in between each other and like that was just it just brought a lot of joy which was really nice to see
1: yeah that one hit so many didn't it because it's like out in nature the sense of purpose and connection to a community as well as like the social wellness so as you said like being connected to others sense of achievement Like that status thing as well, because they'd achieved it and they'd, like, yeah, they'd had a hand in like organizing it. So they like chose what activity and stuff like that. Yeah, it was like totally. And that's something that we can definitely do going forward and we will do is like really focus on that wellness wheel and those nine emotional needs and look at how many we can get by doing one event and stuff. And I think that leads us really nicely on to like co production because I think co-production hits so many of those things as well like a sense of being in a community a sense of achievement a sense of autonomy and control sense of status giving and receiving attention meaning and purpose creating a security for themselves and then again like loads of the wellness wheel actually like really really is why co-production is so positive yeah So yeah, so and I think that they're definitely like the positives in co-production and that is like a really, really important part of having this project shaped by young people. It's something that's so important and you know the downsides to co-production is what we've talked about before. It's like really, really, it can be really frustrating because you can sort of see what they might like or what you know that they're almost there, but and you just want to say, "Oh, it you would like this, but it has like totally come from them. Otherwise, it's not co-produced. It's like in consultation with them." Yeah, but I think having everything so you co-commission it, you co-design it, you co-deliver it, you co-evaluate it, and you—you'd not believe how many like strengths and stuff like the people that use the services, so the children, young people, like it's just. They take so much ownership over the project and it feels so empowering and i think you do definitely get more engagement when things are co-produced because they've rather than you just get like maybe having a meeting with them and saying oh thank you for your ideas we'll go away and do a project now so on this project there's going to be like an action group we're not sure what that action group is going to be called yet and they're going to completely co-produced, so we've got a whole year, which is really exciting to sit down with children and young people and find out exactly what they want and even like train them in like leadership positions and in decision-making and train them up and stuff as well. So, and I think if it's shaped by young people, like it just really creates like a really shared power and responsibility that it is people-centred and that we really believe in that. And I think the outcomes as well will be focused on people, yeah, and what they actually want rather than what we think that they want based on, like, literature or based on, you know, previous projects or whatever it is. Yeah, and I just think with co-production as well, it's just about realising that we aren't the experts, like, just because we're, well, you still fall in the young person's category 24 next year. (laughs) but it's still you know i read this statistic about half of the global population is under 30 and yet only 2.6 percent of the under 30 year olds are in parliament like we're really lucky in wales that we've got a whole youth parliament and you can actually vote when you're 16 and that's amazing but the rest of the world is 2.6 percent and i just think And they're making decisions on half of the population based on what they think as being over 30. And I just think co-production just completely stops that and just completely flips it on our heads that we aren't the experts. Just because you might be in a leadership position doesn't mean that the only thing you've got over young people is your expertise and your knowledge based on the experience that you've got yeah i just think there's other ways to measure how to be a leader it shouldn't just be on how many years you've done something or your expertise in that area because there's so many young people like leading like amazing movements all over and i just think all of the really innovative forward thinking ones are totally being led by young people and i just think young people have a different way of like of organising all of that leadership stuff into what's relevant for them and if it's half the population then it should be much more stuff being decided by people under 30 and to really like shift that balance yeah so one thing I wanted to talk about was this series of compassionate conversations and why you wanted to launch a podcast
0: yeah so it was really about like finding new ways that young people can relate to and that would use other than just I don't know reading blogs or it was just one of the ways that we thought that young people can like not only listen to and there's something about when you hear someone's story and being able to relate to and that taps into the like not feeling alone side of things But for the young people who are coming on to share their stories as a way of just empowering them and a space for them to feel heard and have that like ownership of their own story and their own experience of what they're going through. Yeah, and to know that we are learning from them, that they have something like valuable to share for other young people and for adults, for anybody, that what they have to say matters. And that that is the atmosphere, I think that we just mean to go on. So that was like a really like nice way of empowering young people but to also like share the knowledge on a wider scale. Yeah.
1: So you've gone to like all of the partners involved in this as well.
0: And I think there's been
1: something so nice because obviously you have like meetings with key organizations and stuff. But it's been so nice to have and listen to like the conversations that maybe happen behind closed doors when you meet organizations and the knowledge and the input they have. So we've got a framework that we're working towards. So as we said, we've got a year to completely develop a project. So we don't actually know what the project's gonna be yet because the young people are gonna decide. So for the first year, we've got this discover, define, develop, and then we'll go on to deliver framework and the podcast has really been about that discover bit so and it's been such a nice thing to have recorded and it's going to be there for whoever to listen to as well as staff members coming on board as well as the partners as well as our funders as well as young people and there was something as well that you mentioned about the young people that have appeared being really proud that they were on a podcast and that status of being on a podcast so that's been a really nice outcome of it as well and we're hoping to sort of develop some more other online ways of like documenting in a really meaningful way so before we started this podcast we were looking at the presentation that we did for this bid and we were like oh yeah we hadn't that's just on there now it's not recorded anywhere for anyone else to see or listen to which is why we popped in so some of the stuff we discussed is is from the bid and stuff and I just think the podcast has been like a lovely way of recording all of that great information and knowledge and really delving into a different way of doing that discovery bit yeah and I think there'll be loads more like great guests that you'll have on and stuff as well
0: yeah definitely And it's helpful because while we are like finding out from the young people within SPW, we are like constantly just like expanding our knowledge from like different community groups as well to know that that's important. We want to make sure that we're always diverse and like inclusive across all of our events and things. And so it's important to know about the like relevant key things that are going on for just different community groups which yeah so there's somebody who shares amazing things about what is really important specifically for like refugee children and what's really helpful of how we can welcome them better and how we can have more of an impact in making them feel more connected in our culture and helping us understand from their perspective where there could be like language barriers and things like that so really understanding like young people and just diverse experiences definitely and I think so young people being able to inform
1: the key points as well for older adults and organizations and systems and services so for example a school young people being able to inform teachers on what a young person comes to them with mental health issues, or maybe like a young person who is trans and wants to, so the teacher has a really great response based on what a children and young person has informed them that would be a great response rather than a health professional or something like that.
0: Yeah, that sounds really good.
1: Yeah, so I think there's loads of like work to be done. And I think With the co-production side of it, I think like real like start points that you could do or that any organization could do and that we'll do in this project is around like having a baseline that remains and having like an aim that remains and really staying committed to this co-production idea and constantly checking in with the frustrations and everything that goes with that and balancing it with all the great things that goes with it
0: you have to learn to be flexible and adapt a lot so that's yeah something to quickly practice yeah and what you think
1: is going to come out of the project you have to leave that at the door or what you would like to come out of the project you leave at the door because it's more often than not not that case and you might have the best idea in the world but it's constantly saying all that idea has to come from the children and young people so a few ways and starting points is around sort of balancing dreams and expectations of the children and young people so you know like it's like they might have this like amazing idea but it might cost a million pound or it might be really or like breaking that down into what might be behind that or you know like what might be realistic around that I think it's around like managing risk rather than avoiding it and really maintaining safeguarding but it can't be that that's going to create loads of red tape it's more of like working out so obviously managing risk and having safeguarding at the forefront but not avoiding stuff because of a risk thinking of like creative ways and that we can keep children young people safe and stuff but not at a disadvantage to the project or to them I think it's about balancing different voices. So what you were talking about, making sure that our action group is really diverse and has lots of different voices and opinions and lots of different single parent households. And that's why we have a diversity and inclusion post on this project that's really exciting too. And I think having like a consensus and a decision making So you like agree to disagree sometimes as well. So obviously if you do have a really diverse range of voices, it might be that they don't all agree, but it might be like a consensus or it might be, yeah, that, okay, this time we'll do this and next time we'll do this or whatever it is. So having that, yeah. And that's a really important tool to learn as a young adult or as a young person around, you know, autonomy and control. But when to like have to, have a debate about something and reach a middle ground and stuff I think there's like a real trust in the chaos of it all as well and the how chaotic it can feel for like staff members and volunteers and even the children and young people as well but having a bit of a trust in that chaos that you know like when you think oh I'm going to clear out my room and there's a stage when you clear out your room where you think why on earth Did I start this? There's stuff everywhere. And then all of a sudden it becomes like really organised and clear why you've got to that chaotic bit and then like becomes really tidy and organised and not saying that the project will ever be like that, but it'll become clear in this discover, define, develop a bit. It'll feel like at times that bit of the room that's like really, really messy and stuff everywhere. And you think, why did I start this? And I think yeah like I've already said this one but like drop any assumptions that you have or any ideas like leave them at the door they have to come from the children young people and it's so easy to like maybe lead because you've got an idea that you think is great but it has to come from the children young people that's a good tip yeah and then having shared control and power as well so being really clear on who does what and having that real flat hierarchy So it's a real like shared control and power and that autonomy thing again. And I think, yeah, the last one is just about having like really relishing in the fact that we have a completely blank canvas. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting that this project can be whatever the children, young people want it to be. And that's so exciting. And and especially for like single parent households and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So we have no idea what's going to emerge and that feels really exciting and I think Like I totally accept that it might feel daunting as well and a bit like oh god what on earth are we going to do but it's also really exciting to have a blank canvas and what we can do with that with the children and young people feels really
0: exciting too. Yeah definitely.
1: Just to finish do you want to talk about how young people can get involved in the project?
0: Yeah definitely so you can for young people come along to the action group which will be set up very soon also like get in touch with me or Amy or any of the staff members and yeah just get on board and we'll look forward to having you part and you can have a lot of direction I think we can work around your once and yeah what you want to get out of it really so we can just go from there really yeah and there'll be like a volunteer role for
1: everyone there'll be there's events that you can shape there's help with stuff that we're gonna like do online if you'd like to appear on a podcast do a blog we're gonna try our hand at tiktok so if you want to help out with any of that or be involved in the project in whatever way you can then you're more than welcome to
0: yeah and in finishing me and amy will answer the question of what is your mental health manifesto do you want to go first or i can go first so my mental health manifesto is for people to be unashamed about their experiences and their stories and to always feel just secure in themselves that they can be honest and open and know that what they have to say will is valuable and important, and that yeah, I think that's probably mine yeah that's lovely, so my one would be that imagine I just stop there I'm
1: not gonna and that it would be great to see more children and young people have a lot more autonomy and control over having decision being in decision making leading on even more like really amazing movements going on all over and i think like for this project in particular it would be like creating that sense of community within the children and young people you know really creating those amazing volunteer opportunities which will create like meaning and purpose and give them a status and yeah what you said about making sure that their voice is heard and that they feel that sense of achievement and what they're doing and that it's been heard and look at what they've created and this project is really great because it's four years as well so it's going to be so nice to see the journey of some of the children and young people working through the project and yeah I'm really excited to get started
0: yeah me too thanks Amy
1: Brilliant thanks and if you want to find out more about the project it's on our website under projects it's mental health manifesto a young person's project.
0: Okay bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Compassionate Conversations series two. You can find us on Single Parents Wellbeing. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to our next episodes. See you soon.